the reading of the Scriptures from Romans chapter 9, reading verses 24 to 29. I invite your reverence uh, in hearing God's Word as we publicly read it from Romans chapter 9. Even us whom He has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed He says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not my beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out His sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Apostle Paul has uh, introduced uh, something of a novel concept uh, to many, shouldn't be, but unless to many, and that is a concept of a remnant. Uh, A remnant means that not all professing Christians are truly the Lord's. Some will eventually fall away and be rejected by God. It's difficult, difficult concept, but nonetheless, uh, from the word of the Lord. Uh, We see this truth in Israel, which is predominantly uh, Paul's uh, immediate subject in chapters 9 to 11. So there was a remnant in Israel, been introduced to that, remember, and uh, 7,000 had not uh, bowed to uh, idols. But we also see it in the church. Uh, Both uh, Israel... uh, became apostate in the days of the prophets, and many in the church, the visible church, are becoming apostate, uh, even in our own day. And uh, they have fallen away from the truth, and God, of course, will reject them. And yet the great, incredible news of the gospel is that both within physical Israel today and in the church today, God has a righteous remnant that He has saved uh, by the blood of Christ, and by the power of the Spirit of God. And these are the true people of God. Uh, Not just uh, nominally, but really, truly, visibly, and radically. They truly belong to the living God and live for Him. Uh, From this text, in verses 24 to 26, we learn that uh, the remnant... Uh, praise God, includes Gentiles, and then uh, Jews in verses 29 to 29. Uh, The context, uh, uh, Romans chapter 9, is the charge of the failure of the Word of God. Since Israel has become apostate, then the Word of God has failed. Uh, Paul, of course, uh, has been refuting that charge. Uh, Goes without saying that the Word of God cannot fail because it's God's Word, Uh, His Word is always alive and active and uh, performing everything that He intends to perform, and nothing will go undone that He intends to be done. 
but Paul answers uh, with respect to uh, visible Israel, ethnic Israel, that God's election is not national but individual and is based solely and entirely on His sovereign will. He is always saving those whom He wills to save. In that regard, it was never His intention or His eternal purpose to save all Israel. Uh, that phrase is used in uh, some subsequent verses, and we will deal with it as, as that time comes. And uh, Paul has demonstrated this concept of the remnant from Moses and the patriarchs, and now he will repair to the prophets Hosea and Isaiah. And in verse 24, the call of God is uh, diverse and, and international. Uh, immediate context of this text is the vessels of mercy prepared beforehand for glory and now referred to as those whom he called. Uh, notice in verse 24, the ninth chapter of the book of Romans, uh, the prepositional phrase, even to us whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. So God does not call everyone. He calls from. It is an international call. It is a diverse call. But he never calls all. He calls men and women and boys and girls from the incredible international diversity in the world in which we live. Beautiful illustration of this in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals. For thou wast slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. Notice the purchasing power of Christ. Purchased, not all, but from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Incredible diversity of the church that comes from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Uh, the verb uh, here, uh, calling of God, is the uh, efficacious call of God or the divine call. It is a call that includes the power to secure the intended object for salvation and glory. When God calls, when He calls, it has the power of the Spirit, not just to call and to invite, but to bring. Incredible power of God. If you're a Christian, you owe that reality to the effectual call of God. It's a calling that is the application if you will, of God's eternal purposes from eternity past. It's a call that cannot fail. Uh, on the human side, we call all men universally and without exception. Someone who stands in a pulpit, I call all men and women and boys and girls to come to Christ. It's a universal call. But when God calls, He's gathering His elect 
from the four corners. And they come. And therefore, God's call is particular. Uh, The particularism of it, though greatly disputed, but certainly contextually, Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. And whom he predestined, these he also called. The great glorious chain of the application of divine redemption. In eternity past, he predestines. And then he dispatches his spirit to bring the effectual call of God by his power. There's an illustration of this in the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 5 to 7. The prophet says, Do not fear, for I am with you. I bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, Give them up, and to the south, Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. You know Jesus Christ is your Savior that speaks to you. He called you. North, south, east, and west. The power of God plundering the four points of the compass to gather His own that He created for His glory. By the way, if you know Christ as your Savior, that is uh, the beginning and end of your life. He created you for His glory. Purposeful. So this concept of a remnant, uh, salvation from, uh, should purify our, our faith and clarify our understanding of the greatness of our God. Now to the prophets. Verse 25, 26 of Romans 9. Paul repairs to the prophet Hosea, and Hosea affirms that the elect come from Jews and Gentiles. Uh, Paul quotes Hosea twice. Uh, the first uh, quotation is Hosea chapter 2 and verse 23. He recites it in uh, Romans chapter 9 and verse 25. He also says in Hosea, by the way, uh, if you look at the uh, introductory formula there, it means uh, the Apostle Paul and all of the writers of Scripture have a high view of the Word of God. He's quoting the prophet Hosea as the Word of God. In a sense, God is speaking, and he's encapsulated his speaking in the Scriptures as the Word of God. The context of Hosea chapter 2 is the restoration of the nation by God's sovereign power and his incredible love for his people, for his people. You know the essence of the story. He goes to the prophet and says, take a wife from a prostitute. 
I'm sure Hosea said, excuse me? Take a wife of a harlot. So the incredible love of God. Breaking not just immediately on the life of the prophet, but all of the elect. Because we were all harlots. We were all given to idols, to the worship of the wrong God. Sometimes to the worship of the right God in the wrong way. But all of us to a man and woman, boy or girl. It's our heritage. But God's love ran us to ground. Pursued us. Hunted us. And won us by his power. The power of the love of God. Seen most beautifully in his Savior. Go take a wife of a harlot and love her. The prophet did. Verses, uh, chapter 2 of Hosea, uh, verses 16 to 18. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi. Hebrew word ish, man. You're my man. You're my husband. You're my Lord. God will bring about that day. And you will no longer call me Baali, my Lord, my Baal, my idol. God's going to purify the nation, clarify their theology. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth so that they will be mentioned by their names no more. And in that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and the creeping things of the ground, and I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. Make them lie down in safety. most beautiful expression of that, as you know, is uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, how does that come about, by the way, from the stem of Jesse? Messianic announcement, coming of Christ, will make that happen. Their idolatry is excised. And that event is occurring. It started. It's begun fulfillment. It's going to reach a terminal point. I would acknowledge that. Uh, because the curse has not been... Uh, finally and totally eradicated. But praise God, it will be. And the power of God will make it happen. But the gathering of His people from north, south, east, and west is a calling and bringing them and removing uh, their idols, focusing and clarifying, purifying their worship in the one true God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Again, Hosea speaks of the land being at peace, meaning that reversal of the curse. That praise God that the word is true, that someday that will happen. And men will break their bows, machine guns, grenades, and God will enforce it and make it so. Furthermore, the relationship is forever, substantiating that the threat of idolatry and another fall is permanently removed from the creation. I mean, we would say, oh God, hasten the day. Uh, 
you know, even so come Lord Jesus, the final prayer of the scriptures. Hosea 2.20, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, then you will know the Lord. That event, of course, has occurred. He takes us, and in faithfulness, we, we follow Him because we know His voice, and we follow Him. So, citation, of course, is the recovery of Israel. While in idolatry they were not my people, says God. But now they are my people, and those not beloved are now beloved. And those, again, those promises have begun fulfillment. Sometimes theologians use the phrase inaugurated eschatology. It started. God plundering Satan's kingdom and gathering everyone he wants and carrying them away to love and to serve him. In verse uh, 26, Paul quotes from Hosea chapter 1 uh, in verse 10. And shall be that in that place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there thou shalt be called the sons of the living God. Uh, Hosea from the diaspora, they are gathered and called the sons of God. Again, this promise has begun fulfillment in the salvation of Jews and the coming of Gentiles to Christ. To Christ. Perhaps uh, displayed historically uh, best in Acts chapter 2. Pardon me, uh, the entirety of the book of Acts, uh, but certainly in a radical form in Acts chapter 2. Jews, uh, in the preaching of Peter, come to Christ, repent of their sins, and then there's the gathering of Gentiles. I love. uh, the high metaphor of our Lord in Matthew chapter 12, the strong man is bound and Satan plunders his house and gathers internationally and diversely from every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. First uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. Uh, that I believe includes a reference to Gentiles. Peter says, For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I might add as an appendage, in Christ, and in Christ alone. Every false religion, every idol excised, Therefore, our theology is purified and clarified. Our morality is purified and clarified because we exist for the glory of the Savior. Uh, Both uh, Jews and Gentiles are idolatrous. Uh, John Calvin used to say of us that our hearts were idle factories, uh, but God has gathered us and cleansed us by His sovereign power and His grace. Hosea is also an affirmation of future fulfillment. Thank God. God is still calling. He's still gathering. He's still plundering. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, 
Flee to Him. Sue for peace. Repent of your idols. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke says, and you shall be saved. You shall be saved. God is still calling. Jews and Gentiles are still coming. But the greater fulfillment, of course, is the end of the age. Uh, Turn with me a beautiful illustration of this. Matthew uh, chapter 8. The context is uh, Jesus goes to the house of a, again, speaking of Israel, that time they were an occupied nation, goes to the house of a Roman centurion. Uh, He would have been despised by most Jews. Think about that. Jesus goes to the house of a man who would have been despised. He's going to plunder that house. So the centurion has faith in Jesus Christ. He understands who the Savior is and why he is present. Notice the commentary, a beautiful commentary, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11. A commentary on the event that I've just described. And I say to you that many shall come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. God's going to keep plundering until all of the elect are gathered from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Uh, My prayer, if you're not a Christian, is that He would do that for you. as an expression of his sovereign good pleasure. From the prophet Hosea, which speaks of the diversity of the call of God, the international aspect of the call of God, uh, now uh, turns uh, to the prophet Isaiah. Verses 27 to 29, Romans chapter 9. Uh, The call of God was, uh, again, Uh, never to uh, the entire nation of Israel, but only uh, to a remnant. Uh, Hosea has established that. He's gathering internationally, but excising uh, idolatry, whether Jews or Gentiles, by his power. Isaiah is going to document the same reality. He's going to affirm that the effectual call of God uh, was only to a remnant of Israel. Uh, It was never to the entire nation, but only to a remnant. Uh, The first quotation is from Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 22. Again, I remind you of the high view that the New Testament authors had of the Old Testament. And the high view that you and I should have of both testaments as the word of the Lord. Context is the Assyrian invasion of Israel and the carrying away of the ten tribes. The destruction was total and swift. It'll be the same when the Lord comes. Uh, But notice what Paul says in quoting the prophet Isaiah. Though the number of the sons of Israel will be as the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. A remnant will be saved. 
saved by the power of God. The plundering of Satan's kingdom. Isaiah is acknowledging that the promise to Israel was never universal. It was particular to this remnant. Now look very quickly back in Romans, Romans chapter 11, verse 5. In the same way then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. I remind you, if you're a Christian, you owe your faith to your election, to the power of God who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. He created you for His glory that should purify and clarify our faith and the content of our faith. A remnant will be saved. The greater fulfillment is in the hardening of Israel that it's not title, final or total, but partial and temporary. We studied the hardening of Israel in previous uh, lesson. Uh, Paul is giving us the good news that it's... Uh, not final, it's not total, because God is still plundering. He's always plundering until Christ comes again. In sovereign grace, He can and will remove the hardening. We will study that in future texts. But again, it's not total. Thus, as is stated, God is saving a remnant. And the same is true, by the way, of the gospel. One of the best uh, American theologians uh, moved from Princeton Seminary to Westminster Theological Seminary uh, the name of John Murray. He writes that the gospel is what Christ has done for his covenant people and not a proclamation that he has done it for all. I invite all to come. But Christ purchased men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. My call is universal. His is particular. I don't tread on His ground. I worship Him that He was gracious to me and saved me. And I trust that theology will purify and clarify uh, your theology as well. But God is gathering by His gospel. He uses the proclamation of the preacher. But while the preacher calls all, He's gathering a remnant. The second quote in uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 29, is from Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Uh, perhaps uh, worthwhile to uh, turn to the prophet. Again, uh, Isaiah chapter 1. Opening curtain of the great drama of redemption. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom and we would be like Gomorrah. Uh, the context, of course, is uh, judgment in light of their spiritual condition and their idolatry. But God in His grace has some survivors. Praise God. He's still gathering. Uh, Paul in uh, verse 29 is very interesting. Um, 
New American Standard reads, except the Lord of Sabbath had left to us a posterity. The Greek word is literally seed. Uh, beautiful in the sense that uh, to perhaps uh, mix the metaphor a bit, um, some of you are planting seeds, flowers, in the hopes that they will rise again to the beauty of the flower. Yeah. God's work is effectual. His people will be made beautiful. They will rise, and He will make it so. Absent this, Isaiah is saying the nation would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the allusion here is uh, to Genesis uh, chapter 18, verse 19. Paul bringing Old Testament history into the New Testament as an incredible reminder of the remnant. As you know, uh, that history, the destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah was total. Total. With the exception of Lot and his daughters, the remnant. I'll remind you contextually. Divine party shows up in the camp of Abraham and tells Abraham what they're going to do. They're going to go into the city and destroy it. Uh, by the way, that's a future illustration of what will happen to this earth. Because of our idolatry, God will fire it to bring the new heavens and the new earth. Sodom and Gomorrah is a living history. God's wrath and his power. Well, Abraham is terrified because he knows Lot lives there. He's, well, you know, Lord, for 50, you know, if there's 50, right? Surely in this huge city, there's 50. And then he begins to bargain. Well, maybe 40 or 30. Goes all the way down to 10. I mean, Abraham is, I mean, he was playing the accountant. Let's see, I've got Lot, his wife, his two daughters, and his sons-in-law. Surely there's four more. So I'm, I'm on safe ground. If there's 10, will you spare the city? Divine party says, yeah, I'll spare the city. The angels go in and uh, again, messengers from heaven and tell, tell Lot and his family to leave, to leave the city. Because what God's going to do. Immediately, the sons-in-law just simply mock. Oh, come on. Really? Jesus is really going to come again and destroy? Cast people into eternal perdition? Oh, that's got to be a myth from the Old Testament and those old stick-in-the-mud Christians. I mean, really? Again, power of God. It's very interesting... Uh, expression, the power of God in that context. Because literally, by the mercy of God, the divine party lay hold of Lot and his wife and two daughters and get them out of the city. Much like your salvation effectual call of God laid hold of you and drew you to the Savior and got you out of the city of destruction 
and set you on the great journey of the final exodus to heavenly glory. It's true. You owe your faith to the effectual call and the divine power that laid hold of you, drew you to the Savior. The parallel of the analog is that of the remnant. Because Lot and his two daughters, his wife initially, taken out of the city. Initially, Lot's wife was numbered with the survivors. But she looked back contrary to the word of the Lord. And in the moment, she was destroyed. Her heart was still fond of the world. She wanted one last look at her earthly treasures. I mean, what was she thinking? Oh, my China. Oh, my Sterling. In a moment, she looks back. In a moment, according to the word of the Lord, she is gone forever. That's why the doctrine of the remnant, ladies and gentlemen, is meant to purify and clarify. Purify and clarify our theology and the object of him who we worship and serve. It costs Lot's wife everything, including her soul. Be careful of what you give your heart to. The application for us today is in the visible church. While declining, it's still vast in numbers and spans the globe. But not everyone in the church will be saved. Gaza doesn't turn to the church secretaries and say, mail me uh, those on your rolls. Send me your baptismal records. God doesn't need that. He has his elect before the foundation of the world. He's gathering all his own. But the point is the remnant. Not everyone that's a member of a church will be saved. It's only those who identify and are united to Jesus Christ. Only, only. Uh, The great prophets of Hosea and Isaiah have told us that all other religion to a label are rejected. Only Christ. Only Christ. And those identified with him. And if there's a parallel between the church and Israel, if Israel became apostate and many in the church are becoming apostate, who will be saved? The remnant foretold from before the foundation of the world. We have our idols too. And we should be very careful. When Cortez landed in Mexico, part of his mission was to introduce in Mexico the Church of Catholic Spain. Montezuma sent emissaries to meet him. Cortez asked their head, Tentlil, if Montezuma had any gold. Tentlil replied, yes, yes, we have gold. Cortez said, send me some of it because I and my companions suffer from a disease of the heart 
which can only be cured by gold. Be very careful of your idols, what you give your heart to. Because God is saving a remnant for the glory of His Son. The American church is experiencing decline in biblical instruction. And deception is ever-present in spite of the warning of the prophets. It's almost as if, you know, what me worry? I've been baptized. I profess Jesus Christ. I go four times a year. See Christmas, Easter. Uh, when I'm married, I don't know. got to be another religious revival to create one more. We need, we need our, our theology purified. God is gathering a remnant. He's plundering the kingdom of darkness. Gathering those who are in the roles of the Lamb's book of life. That's the point of the great sermon of our Lord, Luke chapter 17. One of the most powerful sermons I think ever preached. Brevity. Luke 17, verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. She thought she was safe too. Until she looked back. And she was whisked away to eternal ruin. Think of the numbers. Initially, there were six, and the six became three. Cut in half. I will tell you, if you ever want your faith purified different from this sermon, namely, remember Lot's wife. Think of the parable of ten bridesmaids. There were ten. There were ten. They, they, they all named Jesus Christ as their Savior. They all went out to meet Him. Five fell asleep and were shut out of the banquet hall from ten to five, from six to three. Make your calling and your election sure, Peter would say. Purify your faith. Christ is the only cure of the heart and spiritual restoration begins with Him and continues with Him. And may God in His grace clarify our theology and, of course, purify our morality. So the survivors, the remnant, are those that are safe in the Son. In Him there is safety. And there is only safety in Him. There is no safety from Him. Because He will come again. Everyone identified with him will be numbered among the righteous remnant based upon God's sovereign grace and eternal decree of election, the power of God, gathering his remnant. I trust in God's grace that he has gathered you. If he has the power of the Spirit purifying and clarifying your theology, what you believe, why you believe it, and to him, whom you owe 
everything. Eternal salvation.